Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the betters box. It's bangthebook.com's MLB and KBO betting podcast for Thursday, July 9th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. This and every edition of the betters box presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. And you know what? We've got Major League Baseball starting in two weeks, hopefully. we got the NBA and the NHL shortly thereafter. About a month or so later, we get the NFL. About three and a half or so weeks later, we get college football. So it's a great time to start setting up your outs, putting together the different sports books that you have accounts at, funding those if you haven't already, so that you're ready for what will be a massive barrage of sports here in the fall and then on into the early winter as well. Not just everything that I just talked about, NBA, NHL, MLB, NFL, college football. Should get some college basketball in the mix starting in November. Still going to have golf and UFC and NASCAR. And with golf, we're going to have the majors pushed back here too late in 2020. You're going to have the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness. A lot of stuff going to be happening here in the fall. So check out DSI Sportsbook. Check out that BTB200 promo code. And over at bangthebook.com, check out all of our sportsbook reviews. You know, we got reviews for places like MyBookie. We got reviews for Bovada, Bookmaker, Five Dimes, Vietbet, BetAnySports. All sorts of different sportsbooks reviewed over there at bangthebook.com. Now is the time. You want to start getting everything organized and everything set up for all of those seasons that are coming up here. Speaking of those seasons, we're covering golf, we're covering UFC, we're covering NASCAR over at bangthebook.com. There's actually NASCAR tonight in the Xfinity Series, the Shady Rays 200. So we got a preview for the doubleheader in the Xfinity Series at Kentucky Speedway on Thursday and Friday. Got a preview of the Quaker State 400, which we talked about with Brian Blessing on Tuesday's edition of Bang the Book Radio. A lot of stuff going on over at the website. Make sure you check it out. Our daily KBO article, I'm going to wrap that up this weekend. I just, I got other things I need to start focusing on now, especially since it seems like we're actually going to get some of these sports returning here. So the KBO article just takes up a little bit too much of my time with everything coming back now. So we're going to shelve that here after the weekend. We'll have some more NBA and some more NHL content coming up. We'll have more of a Major League Baseball focus as well. So plenty of stuff going on over at bangthebook.com. Please make sure you check it all out. And also yesterday, uh, Kiev O'Neill, who runs the Odds Breakers website and the Odds Breakers podcast, I was on his podcast yesterday. He's been a longtime listener of Bang the Book Radio. We had some great back and forth talking about the upcoming baseball season and a little bit about football at the tail end of the show. So please check that out. I retweeted that on Twitter, at Skating Tripods. Give Kiev a follow. Check out the great work they're doing over at the Odds Breakers And, uh, you know, hey, I'll probably be doing some more appearances with him here in the not-too-distant future. All right, before I dig into the Five and Fly segment here, taking a look at the five teams in the AL West, one thing I want to mention real quickly here is that Baseball Prospectus has produced new Pakoda projections for the 60-game sprint. Got a few quick notes I want to throw out here for our listeners on this edition of the Betters Box. Yankees, Twins, Astros... Nationals, Reds, and Dodgers, the six division winners, according to those Pakota projections, 
Nationals by a half a win over the Mets. That was the closest division race of the six over there in those Pakota projections. The Dodgers were listed as the only NL West team to finish over 500. Astros four and a half games clear of the A's. Yankees four games clear of the Rays. So again, Pakota projections, not something that I necessarily love. I think they're overvalued a little bit out there in the season win total marketplace. However, with that being said, you know, we're starting to get some of the projection systems. Derek Carty's the bat put together projections for the individual players. You've got these Pakota projections. I'm sure fan graphs will be adjusting theirs as well if they haven't already, including, you know, things like zips and steamer, stuff like that. So the projections are starting to come out here. And again, obviously a very unique environment with the 30-man roster at the start, with starting pitchers probably not as stretched out as usual, this and that, a lot of questions, a lot of concerns, a lot of considerations. But, you know, right now, with just golf, UFC, and NASCAR going on, I know MLS just returned recently. I don't do a whole lot with soccer. It's one of the few sports I don't know anything about. Um, you know, it's a good time to look at a lot of this baseball stuff and get ready, get in that mindset here for the upcoming season. So the Pakota projections are out. Again, I don't love them. I don't treat them as gospel like some people do. And obviously here too, the 60-game sprint, subject to a lot of variance, but it'll give you an idea of what Pakota's looking at as far as some of these win totals go and as far as some of the futures markets go as well. All right, so here we go with the five and fly for the AL West. Team season win totals are back up over at Bet Online. That's where I pulled these numbers from. For the win total, the World Series, and the pennant futures, division futures coming from five dimes. As always, shop around for the best prices. I saw some stuff in the gambling community here this week on Twitter about different hold percentages for the golf tournament, the Workday Charity Open. Five Dimes had the highest hold percentage, uh, theoretical hold anyway, for that tournament. They also post the most players that you can actually bet on. So there is a lot of give and take out there in the marketplace. My bookie and Bovada had lower hold percentages than Five Dimes. This sort of speaks to the importance of shopping around for the best prices. It is going to help your bottom line over the long haul. So make sure, whether it's a win total, a future, a player future, something like that, make sure that you are shopping around for the best prices that are out there for these different types of things. All right, so the five and fly for the AL West in alphabetical order, as always here. We start with the Houston Astros. Season win total, 34 and a half. 12 to one at Bet Online to win the World Series. A little higher than six to one to win the AL pennant. They are a minus 165 favorite at five dimes to win the division here. And things are not off to a great start for the Astros. Alex Bregman sitting out, kind of waiting on his test returns. Josh James, Jose Urquidy, Jordan Alvarez, all getting off to a slow start in camp here. Now, no test results have been made public for the Astros on an individual player level. It's said that James is dealing with a family matter. That's why he's out. But it sort of seems like the whispers out there are that maybe Urquidy and Alvarez do have positive Rona tests. Of course, as we've seen with Joey Gallo, Gallo's had two positive tests and two negative tests. So nobody really knows what's going on here with the testing process. However, it's a little bit concerning that James and Urquidy 
are off to slow starts here with the uh, you know summer camp that they're calling it for Major League Baseball because this Astros rotation is lacking some depth. You know, they lose Garrett Cole. That's a big loss for them. A couple years ago, they lost Dallas Keuchel. Uh, Lance McCullers coming off of Tommy John surgery. So right now, you've got Justin Verlander and you've got Zach Granke. There is no more Wade Miley. You know, there's no more Garrett Cole. So they were looking at James and Urquidy to really be important pieces of this starting rotation. And then also hoping that Lance McCullers comes back well in his, uh, I don't want to say first full season back, but does well coming off of Tommy John surgery. Now, this is the thing, though. I think because of this 60-game format now, this may actually help the Houston Astros and their rotation concerns. When you look around Major League Baseball, you see some of the more creative teams talking about what they're going to do with their starting rotations. Some teams are talking about doing piggybacks, where a couple of starters will you know, back up each other, go three or four innings, you kind of uh, shorten the game that way. Other teams are talking about six-man rotations, like the Angels that I'll talk about here in a second, and also the Mariners, who I will discuss on today's show. But also, you know, you're not looking for a whole lot of situations where you want to use your fifth starter. Now, depending on how the schedule works out, and for the Indians, for example, they play 17 games without an off day to start this abbreviated season. So they're going to have to use a fifth starter or maybe a fifth starter piggyback, maybe work in some openers, something like that. The Astros have enough arms. They just don't have a ton of proven starting pitcher arms. Beyond Verlander and Granke, McCullers is proven as a starter, but he's coming off of the major operation in the rehab. James has been used in relief. Urquidy's kind of been, you know, back and forth between being a starter at the MLB level and at the AAA level. So the Astros have these arms at the back end of their rotation with some promise that they can maybe use for four or five innings, three or four innings, something like that, and then turn it over to the bullpen. And they do have a very deep bullpen, and they've got some multi-inning relief guys like a Brad Peacock, like a Chris Davinsky, something like that, to where I think they actually greatly benefit from this format because they were going to have Verlander and Grinke throw probably about 200 innings, Otherwise, they were looking at several guys going in the 120 to 130 range at most. McCullers, James, Urquidy, uh, Armenteros is a guy that maybe comes back at the end of the year. Forrest Whitley is an option too. So this is a team that was going to be kind of having musical chairs at the back of the rotation anyway. Now they can do that either in shorter bursts or with piggybacks, something like that. So I think this really helps a team like the Astros. Now, one thing I do worry about a little bit with the Astros here, with the new three-batter rule, and if you end the inning, you don't have to come back out, but you have to face at least three batters if it's not the end of the inning. They only have two lefties in Framber Valdez and Sionel Perez. So that's a little bit of a worry in that the rest of the pitchers in their pool, at least their MLB pool, are all right-handed. Now, if you can get outs, you can get outs, and it's kind of irrelevant. But there are some things about this Houston staff I really like. Some things about this Houston staff I'm a little bit uncertain about. One thing I do like here is their offense. And that's not a big surprise. It's not an earth-shattering statement by any means. But when you look at this offense, this lineup is loaded with high exit velocity hitters. And exit velocity is one of the 
fastest statistics to stabilize. And it will generally be very consistent year over year as well. We're talking about maybe 40 batted balls for exit velocity to stabilize. It's also quick for things like barrel rate to stabilize as well. So when you talk about this 60-game season that will be open and subject to a lot of variance, if you've got teams that make punishing, hard, violent contact quite early in the process, like the Yankees, like the Astros, like some of those teams, their offenses are in better shape because they're going to make harder contact earlier on in the process. That will stabilize quickly. That's something I think will tremendously help the Astros. I think overall, for 162 games, I'd be a little bit worried about this team reaching some of the high expectations. I think a season win total of 34 and a half here in this smaller format, I'd actually be more inclined to look at the over as opposed to the under here for the Astros. I realize I spent about six minutes on the Astros, so maybe it's a six and fly here uh, for the AL West. When we take a look at the Los Angeles Angels, their season win total 31 and a half, 25 to one for the World Series, 14 to one for the pennant. Five dimes has them a little less than seven to one to win the division here. And obviously you're kind of in a holding pattern with the Angels right now because we don't know what Mike Trout is going to decide. And obviously this situation looms very large as he's the best baseball player on the planet. His wife is due in August. And, you know, there are a lot of considerations on an individual level here if you've got a pregnant significant other. Because, you know, right now there are the restrictions at the hospitals. You know, one person is allowed and you can't have the Rona. So does Mike Trout quarantine for 14 days before the baby? The baby is born. Then does he go back and play? You know, we don't know what Mike Trout is going to do. Does he play throughout? We don't know about that either. There is the paternity list here in Major League Baseball that they've added recently. But, you know, for Trout, that may not be worth it for him. You know, and, and there are other players that have pregnant spouses or girlfriends as well. So, you know, we don't really know about that situation. The Angels are improved. The question is, how improved are they? They sign Anthony Rendon. That gives Mike Trout some help in this lineup. Rendon should be an excellent signing. Shohei Otani is now healthy to be a two-way guy, to be both an out or a DH and a hitter, and also a starting pitcher here. They signed Jason Castro. That's a pretty good signing. He's a decent hitter, decent pitch framer. Now that they've changed the outfield dimensions in right center, they've lowered that outfield wall. That should help with his left-handed power production. But what do you get from Justin Upton? What do you get from Albert Pujols, who, as we know, is just playing out the string of his career now on the wrong side of 40? What do you get from Tommy Lastella, who was off to a phenomenal start last year, suffers the broken leg, injuries and you know the Tyler Skaggs passing were big considerations for the Angels last year, big reasons why things fell apart in the second half of the season. One of the things I worry about with the Ast- or with the Angels, excuse me, is their starting rotation. You know, I they're not deep and they're not particularly they're, they're not a high ceiling starting rotation. So over the full course of the season, that would worry me quite a bit. In this 60 game sprint where anything can happen, where pitchers can go on little runs of being good or being bad, 
does that actually help the Angels in the sense that they're not asking guys to be good for 30 starts, they're asking guys to be good for 10 starts. That seems a lot more attainable with the group that they have. With guys like Andrew Heaney, Griffin Canning, they added Dylan Bundy now as well. And I think Dylan Bundy could be decent in this park away from the American League East. That's just kind of a uh, kind of an inference of mine more than anything that I can back with data or anything like that. You know, the starting pitchers look average. And I think that the schedule format could help the starting pitchers here. Because again, Major League Baseball tried to regionalize the schedule for this year. So you play the four division teams 10 times, and then you play your opposite division in interleague play. So for the Angels here, they will play 30 games at home. They'll play at Oakland, at Seattle. Those are two good pitchers parks. The expectation is that the new ballpark in Texas will play a little bit fairer on the pitching side. Then in interleague play, they play San Diego, they play San Francisco, they play the Dodgers. Of course, the Dodgers, their rival, so they've got six games against them. So the Angels here may actually be in a position where their average to below average starting rotation could end up being a little bit better because of the parks that they're playing in. Now, with that being said, I don't love the offense. The offense will be improved with a big bat like Rendon, but now they're playing in a lot of poor hitters parks as well. I don't love the bullpen for the Angels. I don't think that this Angels team is that significant of a contender. And obviously, if Trout is out, that's a very substantial development, to say the least. So I think if you're playing anything with the Angels, you'd have to look under. Because I don't think the ceiling is very high for this team anyway. And right now, it seems like the only thing that could happen to them in the lead-up to the season is that Trout decides to sit out. And that's certainly going to impact them quite a bit. You know, maybe by a win or two over the course of this 60-game sample. So Angels, I don't have a lot of high expectations for for a variety of different reasons. But again, in this shorter format, it may benefit them trying to be good for 60 games as opposed to trying to be good for 162 games. The Oakland A's, their season win total 33 and a half here, 16 to 1 to win the World Series, 8 to 1 to win the pennant, little under 3 to 1 to win the AL West, according to Five Dimes. This is an opposite situation, I think, for the Angels, or for the A's. I think the Angels being good over 162 is hard. I think being good over 60 is a little bit easier. I think Oakland is the type of team you'd rather have that larger sample size of games. Because I think over 162 games, they'll be very good. Over 60 games, I'm not sure that that's going to be the case. Now, offensively, this is virtually the same group as last year. They haven't really had too many additions or subtractions. They brought in Tony Kemp. That's probably the biggest move that they've made on the offensive side. But this is a very good defensive team. And that could be a big help in this format where a lot of pitchers, a lot of teams will be subject to BABIP variants, batting average on balls in play. Maybe the good defensive teams do get a leg up on the poorer defensive teams. And Oakland is a very, very good defensive team. Now, their park factor is really, really interesting here. First of all, they're used to playing in front of very sparse crowds. So that won't be a factor for them at all. Second, you know, this is a very good pitcher's park with the expansive foul territory and all of that. But because they've loaded up on power the way that they have, they've been better than the opposition 
when they've been playing their games at home. But one of the biggest things I talk about year in and year out with Oakland is that their home field advantage is predicated on teams from the East and teams from the Central coming out West. What always happens is that these road trips get grouped for teams like the Indians, Twins, White Sox, Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, etc. These road trips get grouped. So you go and play in Anaheim, which is said to be a very nice ballpark and a nice area and all that. Or you play in Seattle, one of the favorite road cities for a lot of players. And then you play in Oakland. And the facilities are subpar. The area around the ballpark has been in question. I know there was you know, like a shooting one time when the Indians were out there, right around their team bus, stuff like that. So while the area has improved and a lot of local businessmen and entrepreneurs are doing what they can to try and improve the Oakland area, and they've had a lot of success with doing that, it's not a desirable road trip location for a lot of these teams, especially coming off of trips to places like Seattle or Anaheim or maybe an interleague stop in Arizona, something like that. So that has always been an advantage for Oakland. Year in and year out, even when they weren't very good, teams like Boston and New York and Cleveland and Minnesota would go out there and they would struggle. They would have a hard time winning series. They would go out there and get swept. Oakland no longer has that luxury. All of the teams that will be playing in Oakland are used to playing in Oakland. They're accustomed to playing in that ballpark, in those facilities. There's no time change, anything like that. So I think that's a detriment for the Oakland A's. I think that's something that could definitely hurt them as this season goes along. Because if you go back through and you look at baseball reference and you look at past results, you are going to see a lot of instances in which they padded their home record against teams from the East and teams from the Central. They don't have that luxury now. I think that's a very, very underrated, underappreciated angle looking at the Oakland A's here that that is something that definitely hurts them in this 60-game format. And it is something I am taking into consideration uh, with not only their season win total, but also with futures prices for some of the other teams here in this division. Now, from a personnel standpoint, Jesus Lazardo already slowed down once again. Him and A.J. Puck were both coming off of injury-plagued seasons, so there were questions already. Sean Manaya coming off of an injury, another health risk. Frankie Montas, off of an injury, another health risk. Mike Fires, a massive regression candidate. Oakland has gotten by with these starting staffs, cobbling things together, all that type of thing. They get by with that park factor, stuff like that. I'm worried about that this year. Now, you may get 60 really good innings out of Montas or Lazardo, something like that, but, you know, we don't really know. And these are guys with some health risks. These, this is a team where starting pitching depth is kind of in question a little bit. The bullpen still looks really, really good, but it's also an aged bullpen with some guys on the wrong side of 30. A guy like Jake Diekman, who's not even sure if he wants to play. A guy like Joaquin Soria, who's long in the tooth. I worry about durability with the short ramp-up period and the condensed season for the A's here. So again, I think the A's, organizationally, with all the smart things that they do, with how hard it is for teams to come in there and play, I think they're a team built for the long haul more than this small sample size here. So I'm actually down a little bit on Oakland with the 60-game format 
as opposed to, you know, giving Oakland a lot of respect for the 162-game format. The Seattle Mariners, season win total 24 and a half, plus 12,500 for the World Series, 75 to 1 for the pennant, 60 to 1 to win the division according to five dimes. There's really not much to like here about this team, and I'll be able to catch up with the five-and-fly format here with Seattle. They're being used as a poster child for variance because they had that 13-2 and start last year. Like they were 18-12 and after 30 games, something like that. You know, and this will happen. Bad teams will play well at the outset. They'll have their one period of playing, you know, stringing together good games, and then that'll pretty much be it for them. But the Mariners did that last year. And at 18 and 12 through 60 games, you are officially a factor in this 60-game race. So that's something that a lot of people are going to look, point to the Mariners and look at and say, see, this is possible. And it is. But this is a year to me about development. This is a year to me about giving guys auditions for the future. Guys like Shed Long Jr., like J.P. Crawford to see if you know, all those tools will eventually play up a little bit. Like Kyle Lewis, like Evan Wright, like Jared Kalenic, Guys that, Braden Bishop, guys that they've, you know, prioritized in trades or guys that they've kind of tried to develop through the system. Jerry Depoto's been very active in turning over this roster. And you've got a lot of these guys in their mid-20s, 25 to 27, that need to show something. And they need to show something sooner rather than later. So for Seattle here, I think it is in their best interest all the way to take a look at as many young guys as they possibly can here. The problem with that is this is going to be a low slugging percentage lineup with limited power production and a pretty bad pitching staff. So you worry about this team because they're going to trail early in a lot of games. Right now, they could be a six-man rotation with Marco Gonzalez, Yusei Kikuchi, Justice Sheffield, Kendall Graveman, Taiwan Walker and Justin Dunn, at least according to roster resource, they could opt to go with a six-man rotation. You know, Walker's a guy that's had a lot of injury problems. Sheffield's a guy you want to protect a little bit. You know, Graveman's coming off of an injury as well. But this is a low upside rotation with a very low upside bullpen. Kikuchi last year in 15 starts against AL West opponents posted a 678 ERA. So the teams that saw him the most feasted off of him they had great success so this could be a scrappy team this could be a team that's difficult to play against because they're going to give you a max effort day in and day out but they're a very deeply flawed team they're prone to long streaks and stretches of bad play and that just happens when you have a young roster you're going to have days when that young roster puts up you know double digits you're also going to have days where they strike out 17 times and score one run on five hits Stuff like that. And I think you'll see a lot more of those games than you will the offensive breakouts. But again, you look at this 60-game format, the Mariners were 18-12 and in their first 30 games last year. Their season win total is 24-and-a-half. It's not a big ask to go 7-23 and over the last 30 games. So this is what I'm talking about with very low and very high season win totals. The margin for error is very slim. You need the Mariners to be consistently bad in this format to go 24 and 36. And as we saw last year, even though it's a different team this year, much different personnel, it is possible to get off to a good start. It is possible to play well for a short burst. 
So these very low season win totals are not anything I would have any interest in. Because again, your margin for error is just really, really small, even though if you stack rank these five AL West teams, the Mariners are very clearly the worst of the bunch. But again, with a low season win total, you just don't have a lot of margin for error. If they go 10-2 and over a 12-game stretch, you know, that's tough. That leaves you with having to have them play really badly over the rest of that schedule. So low season win totals are not great bets here in this 60-game format, in my estimation. Lastly here, the Texas Rangers. Their win total, 29-and-a-half. 66 to 1 for the World Series, 40 to 1 for the pennant, 18 to 1 for the American League West. I'm coming around on Texas a little bit here. Now, again, it's been a strange summer camp with the Joey Gallo positive tests and the negative tests and all that kind of thing. I kind of like this offense a little bit in this short burst. Nick Solak is somebody people think could win the rookie of the year in this abbreviated season. You got proven veteran hitters in Shinsu Chu and Joey Gallo and Todd Frazier and Robinson Chirinos, who they brought back from Houston. Good numbers last year for Danny Santana. How this new park plays is a pretty big question. But I think you've got enough guys in this lineup that can perform well in short bursts, guys that walk, guys that hit for power. You've got kind of a, a pretty good mix of a lot of different things here with this Texas starting lineup. But what I really like about this team, and in this format specifically, is the starting rotation. Mike Miner, Lance Lynn, Corey Kluber, Jordan Lyles, Kyle Gibson. This is a pretty good group. You've got a lot of variety here. Lynn is kind of a strikeout guy. Miner's got pretty good strikeout rates. Kluber's got a lot of swing and miss. Lyles can in the right matchup. Gibson's kind of a pitch-to-contact ground ball type of dude. But the Twins were doing a good job developing some of his potential over the last couple of seasons. So I think this rotation has the chance to be very good. And again, you're talking about a different ballpark. You're talking about some new intricacies to pitching in that park. And also to Texas, their pitching staff isn't awesome. But with this schedule format now, they play in a lot of really good pitchers parks. So that could be a benefit for them and could specifically be a benefit for their bullpen with Jose LeClaire back in the closer role. Jesse Chavez in a shortened season as a multi-inning guy, a rubber arm type of dude. You like that. They've got enough fringy starting pitchers. They can maybe convert a guy like Ariel Jurado or Joe Palumbo, Johan Mendez, something like that. They can kind of put some different things together here. And, you know, last year they overachieved. You you look at their Pythagorean win-loss and their base runs and all that, they overachieved. So over the long haul, again, another team that I would expect some regression from in the short term here, though, maybe this 60-game format is a little bit better for them. And it's it's kind of tough to figure out because, you know, a lot of times I focus on depth for 162 games because depth is very important. Injuries will happen, all that type of thing. Is depth lessened in a 60-game format? Is depth higher? because of the nature of this format, of the injuries, of coronavirus lurking, stuff like that. I'm kind of wrestling with that, and I'm wrestling with a lot of different things in my mind here of what matters most in this 60-game format. And I think Texas is a team that is not deep. They are not deep at all. Over 162 games, that lack of depth will probably be exposed. In a 60-game format, though, 
Does that kind of benefit them a little bit to where, yeah, they're topper heavy than some teams, but also their top heavy guys are really good. You know, they've got the makings of a great starting staff. The back end of the bullpen looks okay if LeClaire bounces back. The lineup is top heavy, but, you know, in this format, maybe that's okay. So the Rangers actually, to me, could be a really interesting team here. Because I think the shortened format hurts Oakland. I think without Mike Trout for any period of time, the Angels have some difficulties and and they have a pretty weak bullpen. Teams should beat up on Seattle a little bit. Texas may be the benefactor here of this 60-game season. Not to say I'm going to play a season win total with them or anything like that because, you know, obviously not knowing what's going on with Joey Gallo is a big concern. And I don't know how many futures I'm going to play anyway, but I think there's a chance that Texas in this format could be more fun than they would have been in a 162-game season. So, you know, the AL West is, is very intriguing to me. I, I think Houston is benef- benefits the most from this format. I think maybe Texas could benefit the second most. I think it actively hurts a team like Oakland, who many believe is a playoff contender, maybe a division contender in this format, And again, their season win total only one game lower than Houston's. I think this format hurts Oakland, though. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. And we'll talk more about some of those topics after the weekend here with the five and fly segment for the NL East coming up on Monday. Take a quick look here at the KBO weekend ahead. NC and LG, Doosan and Lata, SK and Hanwa, Samsung and KT, Kiwoom and Kia. Rain is threatening nearly all of the Friday games, so we could end up with some postponements here. So keep an eye out for that if you're playing KBO DFS or something like that. We could have some rain in the forecast here on Friday. So check the latest forecast. Make sure you don't get stuck with a player in your lineup that winds up in a postponed game. NC and LG. The NC offense woke up off of the SK bullpen on Thursday, put up some runs, kind of looked more like what we're used to seeing. LG, they get shut out by Doosan on Thursday. They lose another series to their roommate rivals. And this series doesn't look great for LG either because they get the big three of the Dinos here in Drew Rasinski, Mike Wright, and Kuchang Mo. So they get the three that you do not want to see in a series. And for LG here too, Casey Kelly, Tyler Wilson, they just pitched the last two days. So they're not going to have their two foreign starters. Uh, Lim Chan Yu will get one of the starts here. Also some roster manipulation likely coming up. They didn't have a couple of other starters on their active roster for this series against Doosan. They'll likely be back. But still, you're going to get big favorite prices for NC with all three of their top arms going in a good pitching environment in this series. And LG, they've been kind of streaky. They've been sort of treading water a little bit. But offensively, they haven't been very good. So now they're facing three really good starters. Their offense is kind of in the dumps a little bit. And NC's offense has been consistently good over the course of the season. Some big numbers here for NC. But it does look like this series works out pretty favorably for them. Doosan goes on the road to Busan here. They'll take on the lot, the Giants. Doosan will avoid Dan Straley, so that's a nice thing for them. And Busan is typically a pretty good hitter's park. When you look at the three- and five-year park factor for Lot the Giants' home games, 
it's been a pretty good hitter's park. So that should help the Deuce on offense. As we know, they've scored well over seven runs per game on the road this season. Lata has to win low-scoring close games. Even with the park factor, they're only scoring about five runs per game at home. So that's pretty concerning overall. I think this series sets up well for Doosan. In general, they get Chris Flexen on Friday night here. I think you could potentially fade Yuhui Kwan of Doosan. Maybe that's an over game. But again, with Doosan avoiding Dan Straley, avoiding Adrian Sampson, and with what their offense has done on the road here, you've got to like this particular matchup for Doosan. We take a look here at SK and Hanwha. A couple of dregs in the league, but SK in better shape here in this series because Park Jong-hoon and Moon Sung-wan will wind up pitching in this series for them, and Hanwha won't have Warwick Soppold. So the advantage goes to SK here in this series. Choi Jong expected to come back for the weekend, so we'll see how that plays out uh, for the SK offense. Chad Bell gets another start. He's still running an 8 ERA. May have to take him out behind the barn, so to speak, here if he gets knocked around by SK. I'm curious to see how this series gets lined because, in general, I don't think SK is that much better than Hanwha, but Park Jong-hoon and Moon Sung-wan have gotten a lot of respect from the odds makers and the betters with their prices. And with them going in this series here, SK will have some big numbers and they're going to be difficult to lay because I don't think they're a very good team either, but Park and Moon do get that respect and Hanwha just really doesn't have too many pitchers that get that much respect. And even Sawpold here of late has kind of struggled a little bit. Samsung and KT and, you know, Samsung's been playing very, very well here of late. KT still kind of squandering some of that potential, particularly on the offensive side. What concerns me here is that when you look at Samsung, you know, their pitching staff has been very, very good on the road. Their bullpen's been solid most of the year. At home, they've had issues. And the ballpark there, Lions Park in Daegu, is a very good hitter's park. So in this particular series here, they're in Suwon at KT, another very good hitter's ballpark. And for Samsung, even though the offense has been better here of late, They profile to me as a team that wants to win close, low-scoring games. KT plays a lot of high-scoring games at home, almost 12 runs per game scored in this ballpark. So I think you've got kind of contrasting styles here. Now, of course, for KT, their bullpen for the full season has been an issue, but recently, and I just upgraded the bullpen spreadsheet uh, for the last 30 days to be reflective of June 7th, KT's bullpen has actually been really, really good here of late. So this is a tough series to handicap, a tough series to line in that KT games have been higher scoring at home, but these two bullpens have been very good recently, and these two offenses are just very inconsistent. So not a series I love. I don't think I would have a whole lot of interest in this one uh, if I was still betting the KBO, but I will give you my thoughts over at bangthebook.com on the games here in this series. Finally, Kiwoom and Kia. Kiwoom's offense goes to a very good hitter's park here at Kia, but the Kia pitching staff has been pretty good at home, so you got to give them a lot of credit for that. Yang Hyun Jong will get the first start here. Aaron Brooks in the second one. And I believe Im Ki Young will get the third start for Kia in this series. Uh, Kia avoids Eric Jokic, so that's a good thing for them here in this matchup. Choi Wan Tae, Lee Sung Ho, 
whoever the spot starter is for Kiwum. This is a tough one because I think Kia actually has the pitching advantage in this series, but Kiwum definitely has the offensive advantage. Kia missing their second and third baseman. A couple of good offensive players for them out of the lineup. And they've struggled offensively here of late as well. So you know, maybe a lower scoring series in Guangzhou. That could be the case. But again, I think Kia does have the upper hand on the pitching side. So we'll see how this series winds up getting priced. Uh, we'll see if Yang Hyun Jong can get back on track against a good lineup in a good hitter's park. Those have given him some trouble here so far this season. So again, like I said, I'll do the KBO article here for the weekend. But then after that, I'm going to go ahead and shelf that and you know focus my time and attentions on some of the more pressing sports betting markets that will be making a return. Like I said, coming up on Monday, we'll do the five and fly for the NL East. Also do another edition of the Monday Mailbags. If you've got questions, Adam at bangthebook.com. And I'll still keep talking KBO here until we get to opening day of Major League Baseball two weeks from today here on July 23rd. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.